Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Love of Life podcast. And hi, it's been a while. Hey, yeah, here we are. <laughs> you told me not to do that. I did. Christian education. Because it serves him who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Is the love of life. This is the Love of Life Podcast. Conversations with Jesse and Courtney. But it's been about two months. It's been about two months since we've had an episode. You told me not to do any of this, which is why I'm doing it. No, this is it. This is it. Um, Okay, so yeah, it's been about two months. Uh, I was sick for several weeks. We were busy in the month of December. We're back. Uh, join us. There's a special episode, whatever. They're all special, right? But uh, coming up soon, we have George Grant that we're going to be interviewing, which will be very exciting. We grew up, I grew up listening to George Grant talk about history, the Bible. He is a just whirlwind of information, super insightful, Definitely. and we really enjoy listening to him. It's going to be a great Great interview, because we're just going to probably need to ask him one or two questions, and then he'll be able to regale us with tons of information and facts. He's got a great grasp on history and people, and he remembers more than most people ever read about. Yeah, yeah, he's really good. Okay, so we we were stealing a book from one another. I guess we're not, thou shall not steal, but we were, we were stealing from (laughs) one another. We were borrowing a book. Go ahead and just hold it up for people that might see. Uh, Psychological Seduction, William Kilpatrick, William Kirk Kilpatrick. He uh, wrote this book in 1988. We're not going to do a thorough book review here. We're not going to talk about every aspect of the book. Feel free to pick it up. We're just going to get into sort of different veins and uh, of conversation, probably, about the book itself, because there was lots of great takeaways, lots of really good um, bits and pieces of information. But just the bottom line, the generic overview of it, without getting into specific, lots of specific detail, um, he basically talks about the dichotomy between psychology, the world of psychology, and that of Christianity and Christian thinking. And he begins the book talking about he's sitting in a church. Do you remember this? He's sitting so. he, he's sitting in a church and he the pastor is reading various Bible verses and people are kind of bored, oh, falling right. asleep, not really paying much attention. But then the pastor all of a sudden he starts quoting from a particular psychologist. I think the last name is Fromm. And all of a sudden everyone leans in. And he notices all these people are taking inventory. They're, 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 they're really wanting to hear what this popular psychologist has to say about a particular subject. But when it came to the word, nobody seemed that interested. So, yeah. So, a, a lot of the book is uh, breaking down the differences between that of modern-day psychology uh, and Christianity. And really how this book, again, came out in 88, so prescient that... He saw lots of various things that would eventually take place well, uh, among among Christians, among right. th- thinker, among among thinkers um, that we see today. That if you read it in '88, we said this a few times. Mm-hmm. If you read this in '88, you'd be like, "What is he talking about? Really? It's it's, it's not going to go way. this way." Sure. And yet, it it does. It yeah. it's kind of crazy. But um, lastly, and then I'll let you talk. Is this sort of sense of 
intermarrying that has happened among pastors, teachers in Christianity that have infused modern psychology together. And it's so fused together that you, you really have to uh, unwind this big knot of thinking that many Christians have today uh, re- regarding how they actually think. Do they really think biblically or do they think psychologically biblically? You right. know, that's so, actually anyway. what I was going to say. Go ahead. There's more of a yes, the difference is, but he starts with some of these ideas that actually have been birthed out of modern psychology that have a different worldview, that have a different understanding of humanity, that are more based out of a humanistic approach of thinking about man, um, that man is basically good and not sinful, as the Bible teaches. So there is this, it's, it's about how some of the ideas that modern psychology suggest sound Christian, sound good on the face of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when you dig into where are they actually coming from, what is this actually saying? It's the antithesis of Christianity. Right. Um, so an example of that would be, did you have one in mind? Um, oh, I can think of one, but like the idea of self-love. Right. Um, our culture is all about like loving yourself and we need to, you know, accept ourselves as we are and all this mumbo jumbo that really just yeah. is pride really is, um, an over focusing on the self and that's not really what we're supposed to do or what we're called to do. But he also talks about this stuff in an interesting way. Like one of the, the parts about that, which we both loved was that real happiness comes when you forget yourself. Yes. Um, a self forgetfulness and how when we forget about ourselves, we, there's a sense of losing our dignity. Yeah. Oh, well, she wants to talk. She does. She needs to, she needs to not be thinking so much about herself. (laughs) Well, that's a good thing. That's one of the ways that we lose our dignity. When we are talking to a baby, we often do stupid voices and we make faces. Right. Completely forgetting ourselves, losing our dignity, Mm -hmm. looking foolish. But we know it's going to make a baby smile. Yeah. And so we're, we're happy to do that. Right. Right. So, so what what does this baby need? Me to pause. You to pause? All right, we'll have to pause and we'll come right back. Okay, so speaking of baby and losing our dignity and <laughs> yeah. okay, so we're back. All right. We're back. So you were you were saying that when we look at a baby sometimes we lose our dignity and we forget who we are and we make funny faces. Well, and, we're the most ourselves. Yeah. Because we're not thinking about ourselves. We're not thinking about ourselves. We're to engage a baby, to make them smile, you know, we make a stupid face or we make a weird voice. Right. And it makes the baby smile. In that moment, we're not paying attention to how foolish we look. Yeah. We're just for the sheer delight of seeing a baby smile, we're forgetting ourselves. Right. And yeah, he terms it, we're losing our dignity. But that also in that moment, it's, we're more of ourselves, not less of ourselves because we're forgetting ourselves. We're more of ourselves because we're forgetting about ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's like the way that Lewis put about pride. Right. Um, pride is not thinking... More of yourself or... No, le- humility. Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. but it was not thinking more of yourself or less of yourself. It's thinking right. of yourself less. Yes. Right? Yes, I got it. That's it. You got I it. I have waited long to get that <laughs> quote correct. That one. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what we're supposed to do. Right. Right. So 
Should we... Okay, so let's just talk about it then. Should we Should we ever then think about ourselves? Yeah, I think there's a right way and there's a wrong way to think of ourselves. And I think part of that, right, is... It's not like, oh, you should hate yourself. That's, like, good. Like, the opposite of self-love is just, like, don't regard yourself. We're Obviously, we're supposed to regard ourselves. But our value doesn't come from what we think of ourselves. Our value comes because God created us. And if he's our savior, if we're believers, then we know that we're marked by his love. And that's what brings us value. Right, right. So how did we... As a culture right now, especially, how are we, what are some things you see with us getting out of whack with that? Because you're right. We shouldn't hate, we shouldn't hate ourselves. We're made in the image of God. Right. We should realize that. We should realize that, um, you know, God, in fact, God so loved the world. He, he loves his creation. Mm-hmm. Um, we are loved and we should love one another. Um, first Corinthians 13 is all about love. So there's, um, you know, there's so much about love. But how have we kind of gotten it wonky? Twisted? Yeah. Sure. Well, I think I think one thing, and you probably have things to add to this, is we think, we, we have a selfish idea of love. It's this, you know, like I need to take care of me first. I need to think about me. I need to have my time. All these, these things that really, like, the... The most fulfilling thing is to know that we're loved by God and then pour ourselves out mm-hmm. for others. That's fulfilling. If we have us as the main focus, the primary focus, it's actually less fulfilling and it can lead to being neurotic about all sorts of things. Right. And it's kind of a point that's even made in the book. But when we're focusing on how we can love others, how we can love the Lord, and oftentimes loving the Lord <clears> looks like loving other people yeah looks like pouring ourselves out for them for him um in our culture that's not you got to put you first nobody else is looking out for you you have to look out for you yeah which really yeah it makes you more and more selfish and then if things if nobody else is paying attention to you or if your plans get sidetracked then it's frustration it's you know anger rather than knowing that that's kind of the way anyway. And to deny yourself and to ask the Lord for strength in those moments, but to know that you're not being used up, like you're being used well. Mm, yeah. Do you, what do you yeah. see? Yeah, that's really good. Um, I see a lot of self-help material. And as somebody that does narration work and mm. had to do my fair share of that, it is just crazy to me the amount of books and seminars that there are that so hyper-focus on the self. It's like no wonder we have so many various ailments when it comes to, you know, just even medicinally trying to figure out a way. What's wrong? sort of this uh, neurotic nature, mm-hmm. right, of focusing in on ourselves to such a high degree, microscopic degree, that mm-hmm. we're kind of a bat crap, crazy, <laughs> <laughs> kind of messed up way of thinking culture right now that, yeah, it's just the only antidote to it is a biblical solid foundation of truly understanding the self, breaking away from this psychological 
drivel, dribble, 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 um, that that is that has become ingrained and entrenched even with modern evangelical messages mm-hmm. of you know ten steps to a better you. I mean, this, these are things that pastors all across our country, maybe even the world, will be preaching on. Uh, their topics are really geared toward the self, mm-hmm. and then you. Sp- sprinkle Christ and some Bible verses on top of it. And somehow we think because we did that, it's Christian in nature. When in reality, we've, we've poisoned the well of the word, um, you know, from a teaching perspective, biblical perspective, um, or even, even I, you know, I also think of counseling today. People are, you know, some, you need to, counselors are good. You need to have, in different periods of your life, potentially, um, to go to counseling, that's fine. But a lot of what they're teaching, even in seminaries, is this convoluted form of, yeah, we use the Bible, but they're using a lot of these modern-day psychological methods to try to fix problems. And as Kilpatrick points out in his book, it, it's limiting, it doesn't work, ultimately, and it doesn't even go deep enough. Christianity does. Christianity actually really goes to the heart of the problem, namely sin, namely ourselves, mm-hmm. uh, and, and fixes it and gives us such a way to view ourselves correctly and uh, to view Christ in a right light. Mm-hmm. So those are some of my basic thoughts yeah, on that. It, yeah. actually, it makes me think of the Chesterton story. <laughs> yeah. Did you just tell me that? You just Doug read? just told you that. Oh, okay. I just on that on the podcast, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. The where somebody's collecting articles right. and trying the, to figure out what's wrong with the world. The topic is, yeah, what's wrong with the world? So they want all these writers to write in, you know, their view of what's wrong with the world. And Chesterton writes back two words, I am. Right. Uh, just the problem is is us. It starts with our sinfulness. And you know, if you want to change the world change yourself that kind of thing although we can't ultimately really truly change ourselves there's a work that we do but there's a work that god does there's a work of the holy spirit inside of us that is sanctification and it's Mm -hmm. yeah and it's and it's through the word the word of god not the word of man Mm -hmm. and that's part of the seduction is that the word of man um in a lot in some cases the word of the enemy really is behind it Mm -hmm. he's convoluting the message. Mm-hmm. So the message is very convoluted in our culture and sadly within much of our counseling and our churches today, which yeah. again, some of this stuff wasn't going on. I mean, it was to some extent, but in the eighties it wasn't as maybe flagrant. I think, I mean, I think so. I, well, I mean, I think several times when we were reading it, it was like, Oh my gosh, that came from psychology. Yeah. Like there are some that are obvious. We know just, but there are other more subtle ways that we've taken in psychological ideas that aren't necessarily true within the church that they're not as easy to identify. Right. So there was a lot, and like you said, because the book covers so many different topics, yeah, it's like hard yeah. to capture them all, but yeah. there's lots of times. Like, what was oh, probably, man. does it stand out to you? What was probably the biggest topic or thought process that he had that you took away and said, oh, wow, this is really interesting this is really good yeah well there were several but one of them was um about how subjective 
psychology teaches us to be, you know, truth becomes just like subjective, more about perception, more about how we feel about things. That's an idea that we see also in our culture, but we do see it in church too, like an emphasis on feelings and mm-hmm. and all that when really like what matters is objective truth and there is a such thing as objective truth yeah our salvation doesn't rest on just like great ideas it rests on an actual historical events yeah. god incarnate coming and dying for our sins and being raised from the dead so like the basis that truth plays in our understanding and our actions um in the christian life is supreme and when you don't have um, objective truth then you fall prey to these ever-moving definitions of things redefining things so much of the slide of our cultural <laughs> speaking oh. of speaking of baby yes so much of what we see today with redefining things comes from a foundationless perspective on truth Mm -hmm. like every all the definitions are changing all of a sudden well that's because the autonomous self man who has decided to be so subjective in his thinking it's it it changes like the shifting sands i mean it's just a constant ebb and flow of well today we're defining this as this Mm -hmm. and and you know now more than ever we see this sort of redefining of all these things. It's because like you say, there's no, there's no foundation that we're building upon. We have to build our foundation upon the word and not on the vain psychology of the day or the vain thinking of the day. Um, if we're going to maintain any semblance of order of natural reality. Yeah. Yeah. Cause if not, we're going to go insane and it's quite clear that we are not just headed in that direction. We're there. Like we have, we have met our destination point, and it is uh, like the Old Testament. And I point to, I believe it's Jeremiah, where it says these people have gone insane with their idols. Mm-hmm. We have gone insane with the idol of self. I mean, you know, there's no other way of putting it. We have been handed over to as a as a culture, not like every person right. or anything, but we've we definitely have been handed over to, to our our own wickedness, our own devices. And yeah, it, it, but a lot of that, pulling it back, it stems from thinking. It, mm-hmm. st- it stems from sin, but it stems also from the way we think about reality and how we uh, view the world. And and a lot of that is through, even if people don't realize it, a lot of it is through a a, a lens of a psychological perspective. Mm-hmm. That's incorrect. Yeah, it is. But it also makes me think of one of the parts you really liked that stood out to you. It just kind of the, even though we've, a lot of us have bought into these ideas or these ideas are all around, even if we can't put our fingers on them. Sure. They're not ideas that really make us celebrate. They're not Uh, ideas that have true staying power. They're going to keep shifting. Yeah. Um, That was a part that we both really liked. Yeah. Uh, He makes this beautiful point that we don't have Darwin Day. We don't have Freud Day that we celebrate. We have Christmas Day. Uh, and, he's, and he uh, has a Chesterton quote in here, because who else are you going to quote? Chesterton or Lewis? And that's pretty much what he quotes in this book, is Chesterton is, and yeah. Lewis. And he goes, he volleys back and forth. Um, but he says, quote, this is Chesterton. He says, they have not, chided Chesterton, set up a single new trophy or ensign 
for the world's merriment to rally to. They have not given a name on a, or a new occasion of gaiety. Um, they don't hang up their stockings on the eve of the birthday of Victor Hugo or sing carols descriptive of the infancy of Ibsen, uh, Ibsen outside people's doors in the snow. And then uh, he says, were Chesterton alive today, I think he might profess the same mock disappointment with the religion of psychology. Whatever its other virtues and despite its claim to psychic liberation, psychology fails to bring out our festive nature. I love that. And then he says, we do not have solemn processions or sing hymns on Young Day, though Young would certainly have approved. The memory of Pavlov does not put a spring in our step, nor do we let loose streamers or set off firecrackers in commemoration of Stimulus Response Day. We do not eat roast turkey or pass the punch bowl on the feast day of Abraham Maslow, uh, Maslow. nor do we decorate eggs and hunt for them on Human Potential Day. <laughs> Despite our faith in the th in the theology of psychology we do not find much cause for rejoicing in it we do not do so today and it seems safe to say that 2000 years hence we still will not yeah <laughs> <laughs> right but that's that that's it that was such an interesting tidbit that he points out where he's like we celebrate christ we celebrate christmas we celebrate days that are worth commemorating that give us mirth joy happiness mm -hmm. So it, as popular as the name, say, Charles Darwin is, we don't, there's no day that people come together and hang pictures up of Darwin and apes, monkeys, and the so called transitionary life forms that are right. all that nonsense. <laughs> yeah. We don't do that. No. There's good reason for it. Yeah. There's nothing to celebrate with those things. No. But there is something to celebrate with Christ. Yeah, definitely. And his resurrection. That's so, right. Yeah. It, just everything about um, the story. Obviously, it's a true story, and it's more than a story, but really the whole story, God's story of the history of creation, that mm -hmm. he makes creation. And then it's like it's unbelievable that God, the God of the universe who made all things, would condescend so, yeah. send his son to be take on human flesh, to be as vulnerable as a baby, like it's the type of story that when you really think of it, like it's unheard of. Right. God become man, still right. fully God, but just that he would enter in in the way that he did. It's yeah. it's amazing. It's mind blowing. Yeah. It's people find that unbelievable, but they're running around talking about how aliens are real. Yeah, people don't make any sense. I don't get that. <laughs> I, I just I, I I don't for the life of me I don't understand that. They take the coolest story that mankind has ever known. Yeah. The coolest true fairy tale that is. That has a happy ending. That has a happy ending that is actually real. Mm -hmm. The world is enchanted by God. Uh, and they run amok with these theories and notions. And these, you know, I mean, it's just funny. It's, it's actually humorous to me that um, certain podcasters and people will delve into the alien world and talk about how, you know, oh, string theory or this is just the matrix and this is some like what's behind the aliens then? Who created the aliens? Who created who who created the other matrix that we're a part of if we could just get the right pill and then go, "Oh, this is the real reality" or whatever. I, it Sounds blows good. my mind how how silly man is in his fallen state, in his reasoning without God. Mm -hmm. it, and and some of these people are really smart. Some of these people are really interesting, and I like even. And I'm not naming anybody. I'm just you know there are people and yeah. 
it's just it's it's very interesting to me that that we that we run around believing lies when the truth is so much more accessible that mm-hmm. Christ really walked this earth it's documented living his it's it's history mm-hmm. it's historical in fact and people want to make up they would rather make up things suppress the truth and unrighteousness than look at reality for what it is it's crazy to me it's just crazy well, it is crazy but it's also I mean, for unbelievers, they're dead. Yeah. So there's that aspect that just is part of it. Unless Christ makes you alive, you can't see it, even though it's so obvious. Right. Like, well, that's true. When Romans talks about through creation, like no man is without excuse. I was telling you recently, it's not just like I used to always think like the created world, like thinking about the sun and thinking about trees and but, like even us. Right. As creation, as people, that's like the more recent thing I've thought of. Like, wow, yeah, like how do you not go, what is this? That I have this body that can like <laughs> heal itself when I get cut, that I have a heart that I don't have to tell to beat that just does, like that we work, that we have arms and hands and eyes. Like, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. We look at just this as creation. Like, how did this get here? How do we reproduce? How do we have like little people that grow and and then become adults? It's, crazy it's totally crazy we could remember things just all the ways that humans work it's so it points to a creator it just does like what it's yeah it's amazing yeah we're without excuse clearly by evidence of that we're here that we're alive right like we had to have been made it seems to be (laughs) self-evident because it it, it, what is because it is is it's self-evident but yeah. yeah man would rather believe a lie yeah than the truth and much of psychology going back to psychology is just that it's 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 a lie mixed with some truth about certain things of course um but it's you know yeah i the the one that really does get me and you kind of touched on it is the whole believe in yourself mentality Mm -hmm. and not to say we shouldn't be um not to say we should be down on ourselves Mm -hmm. or think oh well i just you know if say we approach a particular task or a vocation or something. I don't think we should look at things and go, oh, I I can't ever do that. I'm not, you know, I'm not made for that, so I'll never do that. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I don't think the reverse, the antithesis, I don't think jumping into something that we might not be good at, thinking if I just believe in myself or if I just speak these words, that's another thing we talk about, too. Mm-hmm. That's how really occultic some of Christianity has become. Where if I just speak this over my life, if I just say these particular words in this order, and it kind of becomes like almost a seance rather than an actual prayer. We should pray. We should pray over our lives. We should, we should pray the word over our lives. We should look at various scriptures uh, with confidence in the Lord about given situations and things. But, yeah. I, I I see this often among many Christians. It's this this sense of I can do it. Yes, I can, and I can believe in me. And if I can push hard enough, I can get what I want. It's like is that is that a Christian thought? Is that is that a way for a Christian to think about themselves and about life, or is it let His will be done in my life? I'll work hard to achieve my goals. I'll work hard in my life to do what I need to do. Sure. Um, I'll even want to progress and get better at X, Y, Z, whatever it is, vocation, Mm -hmm. instrument, job, whatever it is. But 
not with this psychological babble of if I just, you know, if I if if I look towards a goal and say I'm going to do it and and somehow believe that you can really I don't know. It's just it's odd. It's it's <laughs> it's just odd. I mean, I I I just find it very peculiar. There's People a, reason that way. There's a point he makes in the book talking about children and it relates to that like we the Bible does teach be childlike but not childish. More of this the modern psychology approach is um, it elevates some parts of being a child. Like you should try to go back to that, yeah. but it eliminates other parts at the same time in a way that they don't go together. Um, and he makes the point, which goes beyond just how we rear our children. It's how we are as adults, even as Christians, but that um, obedience and dependence are the way to joy. So like with children, you see their dependence on their parents is part of what gives them great freedom um, and great joy that they don't have to think about bills or certain heavier responsibilities. Like their dependence on us to take care of them frees them up to play, to not be worried about their next meal or any of those things. Um, And then obedience when they obey, when they do what they're supposed to do, that also brings them joy. (laughs) Then they're... um, those, if they can live within the restrictions that are defined by the family, um, things to keep them safe, then they're happy. They're yeah. not lawless. They have a governing law in the home, and that's also for their good and for their joy. And as Christians, that also, that dependence on God, that we don't have to, by just the power of me, I'll get <laughs> this done. If I just think it, I can do it. We're dependent on the Lord. Like, yes, we work hard. Yes, we do. Even, you know, with obeying his commands, there's effort. Mm-hmm. We don't give way to how we feel or what we what we would prefer to do. We let our dependence on him and our trust in his word be above that. So you humble yourself and you apologize when you're wrong versus <laughs> right. just, well, I don't have to do that. You know, yeah. you submit to God's word. But it's our dependence on him, our trust in him, and then our our obedience to his commands that, bring us joy that bring us true happiness yeah so it's a different it's a different mode and way to a life that's fulfilling instead of overemphasis on the self or yeah trusting in your own abilities or word you trust in him and you rest in him and then whether mm-hmm. things go good or go bad you're you're knowing that the god of all has you in the palm of his hand no yeah. that's he is so much more of a sure bet than our own selves there's really nothing that we control. We God is a sure best. bet. Courtney yeah. Fister. Okay, well, maybe don't quote that <laughs> But you know what I'm saying. I know what you're saying, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that's really good. Yeah, well, very good. Is there any other point or any other highlight you think from the book or from Convert? Because we've had several conversations uh, around the book mm-hmm. just as we were reading it. He makes some cool forth. points about story. Oh, yeah. And just like that, that is kind of this language of humans. And he alludes to it a couple times in the book. But then f- later he circles back to it about marriage. And he talks about how um, a couple doesn't just like sit around and talk about like their feelings all day. Like that's not really what strengthens your marriage or brings pleasure. It's like this story that you're living together. And especially in our culture, you know, we mm. have a lot of um, short 
relationships and people don't stay married and then it's like you're just picking different chapters together you have a lot of openings and beginnings but no ends and how like the journey of marriage living life together doing life alongside one another brings more of a fullness of a story and how that's so rich and how remembering um is is this important part of of joy and how you know, we can say, hey, remember when and remember that time. This is the story that we're living together, this journey of life. And the way he puts it is really, really neat and interesting Yeah. Um, in a way that I had not thought of it before. But we do that. We'll reminisce and we'll say, hey, remember that? And like right. you have this friend that you've lived through all these chapters of life with Yeah. and gets sweeter and better. And I like the way he put that. Yeah. Yeah. That was really good. That was really good. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. And um, yeah. if you don't have anything to read, check out that book. Psychological Seduction. Thank you for listening to the Love of Life podcast, Conversations with Jesse and Courtney. It is our duty through our schools to create a new one, a God-centered one. We are told in Proverbs 8, verses 35 and 36, For whoso findeth me findeth life, and shall obtain favor of the Lord. But he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. All they that hate me love death.